Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live with their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Is there a way to stop the fighting? This is Wretched Radio. Don't know if you've noticed, but on the internet machine, a whole lot of squabbling going on, and the cancel culture is alive and well, not just in the pagan world, but also in Christianity, where we use social media to express our sentiments on a subject. Most likely, we don't have a ton of details on any particular story, but nevertheless, we wade in and... It is increasingly acrimonious, and it is my prediction it's not going to get better. In fact, the fracturing that we see in the evangelical community, it's it's going to fracture even more. Why? Consider Christian cancel culture. We will leave a post, we'll leave a comment, or we'll share a video that somebody produces that shows somebody is an error in their opinion, and around it goes, and the next thing you know, there's lines drawn, and there's a whole lot of squabbling happening. And I would suggest to you it's only going to get worse because we are actually canceling one another. Who is going to want to enter the arena of ideas when they know that they are going to be doxxed? Who is going to want to join the conversation that we're all supposed to be having about various and sundry issues when they know that all they're going to do is get pistol whipped from this quarter, that section, this side, that side? It is a dangerous place for somebody who wants to exercise some thoughtful considerations on a subject. So who will enter the dial? Pick the issue, by the way. I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. There's a gazillion of them right now. It's Whether it's politics, whether it's the church's response to the COVID business, whether it's the issue of how we relate to government, whether it is CRT, whether it is gender issues, you name it. There is all kinds of squabbling going on. And when it gets loud, the only people who are going to enter the arena are the loud people. If the current conversation is a wee bit shrill, and I'm not saying it's everywhere, but it's in a lot of places, who's going to want to dive in and go, yes, I would like to speak on this subject. It will only be people who are more shrill. And that means the conversation that is taking place on the Internet, I don't think is helping us much. Can there be some productive conversations? Certainly. Are there obviously good articles and videos? No question about that. I'm not talking about those. I'm, I'm talking about Fight Fest. I'm talking about Rock'em Sock'em Robots Land. I'm talking about where we just fire aim ready. We don't take a whole lot of time and we just jump in and then you get jumped on and then you jump back and we're all pretty much willing to be at one another's throat 
What can we do to improve it? I would like to suggest to you the secret is found in a conversation that we do not have often enough, and that is the conversation about the importance of the local church. The fights that we see happening on the Internet, most of them, if not all of them, would not exist if they were being taken care of in the context of the local church. Please note, I'm not suggesting we all unplug, don't be involved out there, not saying that. What I am saying is that the the anonymity of social media, the not being really in fellowship with one another, is exactly what should be happening in the context of the local church. And when it does, there should be a whole lot less snarking going on. That is why it seems to me that we need to rethink our relationship on the Internet. And if we don't connect it to the local church, I think that we're just going to continue to hear an increasingly shrill dialogue amongst Bible-believing Christians. What would that look like? Well, how's about when I'm thinking about posting something, writing something, I stop And I ask, what if I were going to church with this person? What if I had to see this guy on Sunday? What if we did, we took care of the nursery together? Yeah, yeah. would I really say that? I would suggest to you, no. And there is ample evidence that this is not happening. We're, We're seeing Christians canceled? Canceled? For saying something that normally in the context of the local church would be a, hey, brother, can I talk to you about this subject? You know, I think I might have some information that could help you out so that you could say that a little bit better in the future. That doesn't happen on the Internet. The local church, at least the local church mindset, I think could help us all just curb are sharp pens, which is actually a keyboard or your thumbs on a cell phone. But the point is, we need some help and we need something to help us think through. How should I be talking to my brothers and sisters or about my brothers and sisters on the Internet? Might I suggest remembering the local church and a number of other things might just help A lot. And so I offer for your consideration, give or take about 10. Okay, maybe it's 15. We'll see if we get through five suggestions to perhaps make our relationship on the Internet a little bit more gentle, peaceable, less. I didn't say obliterate being pugnacious, but it shouldn't be the totality of our conversations. Being pugilistic should not be what defines us. And after all, uh, the world does see it. They're, they're fully aware of this. In fact, there was an article in The Federalist. Uh, hold on, I've got it for you. It was an article in The Federalist where they were saying, what's up with the evangelical leaders? They were talking in particular about the people who have had scandals. And, and they cited, you know, all the ones that you and I are aware of. So the focus on it was moral failures, how do we avoid this? So it says the crisis of leadership in American evangelicalism. And they offer a number of explanations for this, a bunch of reasons. They got warm at some point. This is from Christian Post. But they were, they're aware that this is going on. The Federalist, though, also had an article that was describing 
I think the lines that they had were like Russell Moore, Beth Moore versus Vody and Tom Askell, something like that. And the world sees it is my point. I'm not saying whether those lines should be drawn or not. I'm just saying that the world picks up on this. And if they sense that we are a bunch of fighting folks, why would they want to join that? Why would they want to enter into a community that is so bellicose for your consideration? Some things that you might want to consider when we are taking a look at the Internet, when we are entering into the public arena to discuss these issues. The first thing that I might suggest, this is for you, Pastor, you might want to consider having an inclusion to your faith statement regarding issues of CRT, racial issues, because we live in a climate that if you don't say everything exactly right, you're going to be doxxed. You're going to be mocked. You will be called names. You might do well to prepare it, think it through. Okay, what is what is our theology of ethnic groups? What is our relationship with one another? How do we view issues of oppression and abuse? How do we view reconciliation? How do we view forgiveness? How do we view the reason that we even have ethnic identities? You put it on your website, and that way, when somebody goes, hey, what do you think about that? You can go, hey, just go to our website. You can read all about it, and you might stay out of trouble. Because if you biff it in the slightest regard, look out. The Ginsu knives of the Internet come out, and they flail. I might also suggest this could be very helpful when it comes to us not being quite as constantly at each other. I think semantic range is killing us. Defining of terms. This is an issue I see it constantly that demands that in, in, in going forward, if you want to stay out of the fray and you want to actually have a dialogue with a brother or sister that you could be going to a local church with when you talk about them or to them on the Internet, even though you're thousands of miles away, ask, what do you mean by that? What does that word mean to you? When you say this, tell me what it means. Because if we don't have the definition of terms, oofta, when we see it all the time, don't we? It doesn't matter what the, what the category or the issue is. Because there is always a semantic range to a word. It can mean this. It kind of could shade that way. Or it depends on the, it could really be that. Okay, which one are you talking about? So maybe just maybe a helpful tip to help us not be so acrimonious on the Internet would be remember the local church. We're talking to brothers and sisters here. You might want to prepare something for your faith statement to keep you out of hot water and define your terms. We'll continue, hopefully, offering some helpful suggestions on Internet behavior next on Wretched Radio. 200. That's right. 
200 Tomorrow Clubs are now up and running again in Ukraine. That means kids are hearing the gospel, they're getting saved, their parents are getting saved, the church is getting strengthened. Not only are the Tomorrow Clubs busy preaching the gospel, they're also very busy helping people. This is our buddy Max in Ukraine. We have created the Ukraine Support Fund. Thanks to our partners, Tomorrow Clubs began immediate assistance to the network of the local churches that became a safe place for thousands of refugees fleeing their devastated homes. Providing food, providing clothing, potable water, a safe place, communication. Would you please consider becoming a ministry partner of the amazing ministry called Tomorrow Clubs? You can learn how you could participate in the spreading of the gospel in Eastern Europe at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Why do we believe so much in biblical counseling? Well, it's comments like these. I just haven't thought of it that way. Pretty intense, huh? Those are comments from real people receiving real biblical counseling for real issues in season one of Transformed. Released this year, Transformed is like nothing else you'll see on Christian TV. You're a fly on the wall witnessing real biblical counseling sessions. With Dr. Greg Gifford, professor of biblical counseling at the Masters University, he's our host and biblical counselor conducting these sessions, which deal with issues like anxiety, OCD, anger, trauma, depression, and much more. And Dr. Dale Johnson, the executive director of ACBC, is our other host. Dr. Johnson chalk talks the sessions to provide a deeper understanding of biblical counseling. Transformed is truly a one-of-a-kind production, providing you with an up-close look at the hope and relief only the Bible can provide. Transformed, from brokenness to wholeness. And it's available now at transformed.org. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A preborn center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon, was hit with an incendiary device. A preborn clinic in Miami vandalized, and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life, and yet the preborn centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today offering free, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Athenagoras was a Christian philosopher in Athens who used his training to defend the Christian faith against Roman persecution. He wrote on the resurrection of the dead, arguing that the nature of God, the nature of humanity, and the concept of justice only make sense if there is a physical resurrection. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It was the great theologian Roberta Flack who sang, Where is the love? This is Wretched Radio. Go ahead, tiptoe through the internet tulips, and you are bound to be pricked by a thorn because there's a whole lot of sharp conversations going on that doesn't reflect an understanding that these are my brothers and sisters with whom I am speaking or debating. 
If I were in the context of a local church, the tenor of this discussion might be a little bit different. I suspect it would. Have we perhaps not spent enough time considering what we're all contributing to the internet dialogue? Are we people who are gentle or would a watching world say not so much gentle, more like really shrill? This this is a distinction I have to confess to you. I, I don't think that we've made as often as we should. Do I need to talk like I am in a debate on Fox News? Do I need to act like that? Or should I be guided by more of a gentle spirit? And if you're asking, what exactly is a gentle spirit? So glad that you asked. Reading a book called Biblical Counseling and Practice, Volume 1, Martha Peace. It's a brand new book. It is published by Focus Publishing. This is in particular aimed at women, counseling women. But this is this is not an attribute just for women. Remember, the the qualities, the characteristics, the fruit that Christians are supposed to bear, it should be that all of us. So if you see a list for the, these people, it applies to you. It's not not going to. Now, it's really specific that there needs to be a high degree of qualifications for a pastor. But that doesn't mean that those those attributes that are described, those personality traits that are defined for us, 1 Timothy 2, 3, Titus 1, that they don't apply to. Of course they do. And so when you see Peter talking about women having a gentle and quiet spirit, how, how could it be that women are supposed to be gentle and quiet, but men are supposed to be bellicose? Let's figure out what it means to be gentle and quiet of spirit, because I don't know about you, but I don't get fed that diet very much. When I go on the internet, I get I get fed fighting. That's what I get fed. I just see I see the disagreements. Somebody watched this video, they thought that about it, and then they go after one another. Somebody said something, somebody blogs about it. I get a lot of that, but I don't get a lot of encouragement to be gentle and quiet in spirit. What exactly does that mean? Well, and this this is written in the can I say feminine pronoun? Can I say she? Is that a is that verboten now? But this is male or female. The Christian accepts God's dealings as good. The person who wants to be gentle and quiet of spirit does not contend or dispute with God. Not given to anger or fear. That is what a person who is gentle and quiet in spirit is about. It's it's not talking like this. Oh, beloved. Now, that sounds gentle. God is after way more than a probably forced tone when we talk to or about people. You can keep your personality, if it's not sinful in this regard, if you're loud, you're boisterous, well, be as loud as is appropriate. Be yourself. But you could still be gentle and quiet in spirit because it doesn't mean hushed tones. It doesn't mean that I don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that I don't speak up. It just means that I submit to God without complaining or becoming frustrated from Martha Peace. The only way a godly person can silently submit to God as you go through minor aggravations of the day or a large trial 
is to know God's word and love it. Think about what the Bible says in circumstances and agree with it. She turned a corner fast. After quickly defining what it means to be gentle and quiet of spirit, she immediately starts showing you this is what biblical counseling is. This is what this is how you do it. Instead of having that thought, stop. What's going on in my heart? What does the Bible say about this subject? And it's going to elicit a different response from you. That is how we develop a gentle and quiet spirit. Faith-led versus feelings-led. Somebody cuts you off. How do you respond? Gently and quietly or by expressing your sentiments via digits or honking. Although, just because I have a self-interest in the subject of honking, if you don't mind, let me just erase that from the tape. I like to honk. (laughs) I consider it my gift to the person who's texting at the stoplight. And I think that everybody who is in the line who refuses to honk because while we're in the South and we like to be polite, I'm just doing everybody a favor when I honk. But if you're honking in anger, not a gentle and quiet spirit, if you've ever uttered things like, nobody knows how to drive in this town, which we all have, multiple times, we are not developing a gentle and quiet spirit. So how do you do that? Let's let Martha Peace help us with developing a gentle and quiet spirit by understanding what it is. Martin Luther is quoted, Christians must not be sharp and bitter, but gentle, mild, courteous, and fair-spoken. As such as make others to delight in their company, it does make you wonder about Martin Luther, doesn't it? If you ever read what he said about the office of the papacy and the Roman Catholic Church, woo, that's some aggressive words. There's a place for that. Don't we see that in, oh, at least two people in the Bible? Actually, more. Paul had some sharp speech on occasion, but that was not his his overall temperament. It was used when necessary. Didn't Jesus overturn the temple and cleanse the temple by overturning tables? Twice he did that with a whip and with words that were strong, but he still defined himself as gentle and meek. What about Nehemiah? Chapter 13, we see Nehemiah getting after it. Just heard this in a sermon that he's a, he's a Christ type in that he had a fervor to see that temple worship was happening correctly. And Tobias the Amorite, yeah, he was an Amorite, was, was, not, was not an actual priest. And yet they cleared out the room in the temple where the gifts, where the tithes and offerings were stored, grain offerings and any, any of the Levitical offerings were stored in that room. They cleaned it out. Why? Because temple worship wasn't happening. And they gave the room to Tobias, the Amorite, to live in. And what did Nehemiah do? Booted him out. You're out of here. What did he do to the people who were outside of the wall mocking? If a fox jumped on that wall, the thing would collapse. I'm going to tell you once. I'm paraphrasing. I'm going to tell you once. You're going to knock it off or I will meet you with force. There is a place for that. This does not mean we become liberals. It just means that how we go about 
speaking is different. It has to be different. Christians must not be sharp and bitter, but gentle, mild, courteous, and fair-spoken to make others delight in their company. They can wink at other men's faults and will be well-contented to yield and give place to others, contented to bear with those who are froward, which means unreasonable, difficult. How do I know that word? Well, she's got it in the parentheses. Intractable, as someone said, Thou must know the manner of thy friends, but thou must not hate them. Such a one was our Savior, Jesus Christ. It is said of Peter that he wept often as he remembered the sweet mildness of Christ. It is an excellent virtue and most necessary in every kind of life. Matthew Henry calls three great dictates of meekness. That you hear reason, you actually listen to somebody. You stay silent. That would be number two. And then you trust the Lord. And you you ask the Lord to give you grace in the conversation. Those are the marks of, of being gentle and quiet. And the way to go about the business of cultivating it, that's where biblical counseling shines again. It doesn't just scold. Okay, I just gave you a scolding. Be more gentle. That's what you just heard from Luther from this book by Martha Peace, from me. Doesn't help. So how do I do it? Just wait till I get older and perhaps softer and just don't feel like fighting anymore? No. In the moment, you see something, you hear something, read something, and then you feel something and you've got to stop and ask, what's going on in my heart? And what is supposed to be going on in my heart based on what God's word says about him, me, or this situation? And if you can begin to practice that, you are going to find victory in so many areas of your life. It's not just gentleness. It's you name it, your anxiety, your anger problem. Stop. What's going on in my heart? What does God say about this? Think on that. Act on truth. What does that look like? Next on Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hanks. Reports seem to indicate, though not a surprise to many of us, that there have been partnerships established in the city of Chicago between Lurie Children's Hospital and many of the area's local school districts to promote racial gender theory, BDSM, and trans-friendly sex toys for children. Documents have been obtained showing that the hospital provided materials to the districts to provide, quote, employee training in those areas. Here's all the training teachers and school officials need in regard to speaking to children about any of these topics. Don't. It should be that simple. Unfortunately, it's not. A recent analysis conducted on Major League Baseball has concluded that 20 of the 30 Major League teams have helped to fund or promote the genital and chemical mutilation of children. Teams have been found to have donated directly or in other ways promote and encourage their fans to donate money to institutions mutilating children. Essentially, it's easier to list the teams not helping mutilate children than it is to list the teams that are helping to mutilate them. 
A federal Kentucky court ruled last week that the city of Louisville could not punish a Christian photographer for refusing to photograph same-sex wedding ceremonies. But restaurants, hotels, wedding venues would still be required to host same-sex wedding events regardless of the owner's views. Whatever happened to the business's right to refuse service? Meanwhile, in Canada, documents have been released showing Canadian overlord Justin Trudeau instructing airlines how to refuse requests for religious exemptions pertaining to the jab. Just further proving the rhetoric of the left, it's a matter of discrimination and unfairness for Christians to refuse to participate in events or behavior that they deem to be sinful, but it's A-OK -okay for a business to refuse to serve a Christian. Yeah, that seems about right. So obviously we should all be aware of Roe versus Wade being overturned earlier in the year. Well, last Friday, the Biden administration hit back, so to speak, and announced that it would be expanding abortion on demand through the VA, the Department of Veterans Affairs, which is effective immediately, which is obviously a violation of federal and state laws in some states that have banned the barbaric and despicable act. But following the law isn't something this administration seems to be concerned with. And now news that we can all call good, but also sad because it shouldn't even be news. Instagram has made the decision to remove the account of Pornhub following what's reported as, quote, mounting evidence of alleged criminality stacked against the company. Pornhub, of course, has been accused of hosting child sexual abuse material, filmed rape, sex trafficking, and non-consensual videos and images. So, yeah, being removed from Instagram is likely the least of their concerns at the moment, but I am glad that they are no longer there. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important Dates in Christian History 385 AD. In Milan, Bishop Ambrose defies the Empress. This event helped to establish the precedent of the church confronting the state when necessary to protect Christian teaching and oppose injustice and corruption in government. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How can you grow in anything? This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you've been desiring more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control in your life, but you don't know exactly how to get there. A sermon that harps or carps and maybe points a finger at you and says you're deficient in this area without telling you how to improve it and to whom you should look to find the strength and the guidance it is bordering on legalistic type of preaching. Do, do, do. And we need that type of preaching, but not without, and here's how. Martha Peace has written a new book. It's called Biblical Counseling in Practice. This is chapter three. It is addressed to women, but this applies to all of us. And I have to confess to you, this chapter is about the most helpful manifestation of what this is supposed to look like. What exactly do I do? Don't just give me a Bible verse and then tell me to be on my way. How do I do this? Well, she starts with a particularly helpful column. Here's your natural passion. Anger. That irritates me. Hold on. If I'm going to be a meek and gentle person, I need to respond differently. Thinking, based on Romans 8, I'm being providentially hindered and must stop and thank God for the interruption. God is good and he has a purpose in this. Okay, so whatever it is that's bugging you, hold on. The Lord is not far away. He's near. He's doing something in this. What is it? 
This isn't the way I shouldn't respond fleshly. I should be responding based on the spirit. You yell at the kids in anger because they're bickering. All right. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. I need to help each child take the beam out of their own eye, sit them down and ask each one individually. What have you done wrong in this instant? Then appropriately correct and or discipline each child individually. How do you do that? There is a way, and you're actually already hearing it. If you're taking notes, you become too intense and harsh in tone of voice with friend who does not agree doctrinally with you. Remind yourself that when dealing with the doctrinal error, the Lord's bondservant gently corrects those who are in opposition. Remember how far God has brought you. Then speak in a calm, gentle tone of voice. You feel frustrated and aggravated with a slow driver. Ow, when you're in a hurry, always thinking, hurry up. Instead, Lord, thank you for testing me this morning and reminding me that you are in control. Did you see it? Did did you see the pattern there that will make you grow? It will make you grow just like a plant that receives fertilizer. It doesn't go, I'm not so sure. It just does. The fertilizer for your fruit growth is stopping. How am I currently thinking? What does the Bible say about my thinking? And then I'm going to trust that. I'm not going to quarrel with the Lord. I'm not going to get angry at God by being unhappy about these particular circumstances because you're failing to remember that he has you in them for a reason. Lord, thank you for the opportunity in this moment to trust you. I really need to get to that meeting. You know that. And you also know what's best for me. So I'm going to trust you in this. Help me to love these terrible drivers. Okay, most of that was good, but I think you get the point. That's the pattern. In this particular book, Martha Peace is speaking expressly on being gentle and quiet of spirit. This is not for women only. This is also for fellows. It is thinking about how we should respond. Somebody with a gentle and meek spirit is not given to anger and graciously submits to God's providential care, not contending or disputing with God, but accepting God's dealings as good. You get a handle on that, and I'm telling you, your your fruit production will increase. Really, you're going to go... From being like a side-of-the-road fruit stand to being the Costco vegetable department. You're going to bear bushels of fruit. So let's take a little quiz, shall we? And as we do this, let's just see how we get better if we failed with the answer. Again, from Martha Peast, Biblical Counseling in Practice. Just how gentle and quiet are you? Question number one. Am I more likely to think this makes me angry or am I more likely to think what might God be doing in this situation? You just heard that. How do you cultivate that? How's about memorizing Proverbs 19? A man's discretion makes him slow to anger and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Whoa. You mean God is well pleased when I overlook a transgression, bad behavior, poor driving? ill-behaved children you mean the lord likes that 
I know he does. How do I know? Because in our text about being gentle and quiet, Peter says that the Lord delights in that. So here's a question for all of us, and it's not just women. Oh, I know the context is women, but it applies to all of us. Do do you want God to see you that way? Do you want God to see you as being a gentle and quiet of spirit person whom he really loves? Now, don't get me wrong. He loves us in Christ, but we still have to deal with the text, which is pretty clear. Don't let your adorning be external, braiding of hair, etc. Let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. He loves it. Why? Because that's who he is. Wait a second. God gets angry. Yes, but it's under control, which is really what gentleness slash meekness is. It's just being under control. It's, it's not being whiplashed. It's not just, oh, that's it. I'm at it with you, kids. Pack up, you're out. No, you might have to kick your kid out of a house, but how you do it can be done gently and quietly. Number two, what would more likely come to mind? Love is patient. I can respond in a kind way and give glory to God, or this irritates me. If you find yourself being irritated a lot, stop. Just stop it in its tracks. And it doesn't stop there, though. This isn't Bob Newhart counseling. Just stop it. No, you stop it, but then you analyze it. You think about it. Why am I not showing patience and kindness? How can I not want to give glory to God? And what's going on in my heart? Then you might have memorized 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind, not jealous, doesn't brag, isn't arrogant. Do you see the pattern? memorizing a Bible verse that speaks to your proclivities will take you miles down the road of sanctification. If you are agitated with your kids all the time, this verse would help you. So there they've done it again. They didn't put the lid back on the Play-Doh and it is hard as a rock. And now you got to go spend another $5.99 to get some Play-Doh at the gender neutral toy aisle at the Target you're, you 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 want to get uh, love is patient love is kind doesn't envy doesn't boast think on that dwell on that verse that you've memorized and it's going to change your heart and give you the right reaction with the motivation that it is well pleasing to god do you want to be well pleasing to god no we don't do it because we get more blessings but well You probably do, frankly, (laughs) because when God is seeing a child who is striving for his attributes, he blesses them. Maybe not in tangible ways, but definitely in emotional and spiritual ways. Question number three, which describes how you would likely react? Sighing, withdrawing in anger, or in gentleness, trying to help the other person to understand? So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Somebody does something harsh to you, think on this verse. Why am I so hurt by this? And it doesn't mean you haven't been stung. I'm just saying, this is the Benadryl, you're going to put on the sting to make it 
Okay, that illustration really didn't work at all. The point is you stop what's going on in my heart, what should be going on in my heart, and then you react. Do you ever stop and ask yourself these questions? Why am I angry? Why am I angry at all? What reason is there for this emotion? Should I be reacting so strongly because such a sudden and transient provocation has hit? What Bible verse should I make? Oh, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. Flee from these things, you man of God, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And as you do this, stop, analyze, replace your bad thinking with biblical thinking, with a desire to be what the Bible describes, not what my feelings inform me of. I do it knowing that God is well-pleased. And Jesus, the meek and gentle one, lived and died for me. You watch your fruit production. This is Wretched Radio. How's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home? Would you please visit MediShare.com slash Wretched. Affordable Biblical Health sharing Christians paying for other Christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for bad stuff second of all you can save on average $500 per month and finally MediShare it's the gold standard for healthcare sharing for more than 25 years it works and the members including myself and Mrs. Friel love it which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance if inflation has got you down call up the people at MediShare 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash wretched Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Here's a fun fact. Did you know Todd also hosts a daily TV program? Yep, that's right. Wretched TV is a daily 30-minute program containing live witnessing encounters, conversations about tough theological issues, and like a jillion other things. And you can find Wretched TV pretty much everywhere. It's airing on over 135 Christian TV networks. You'll also find the show on streaming services like Roku, American Gospel TV, Answers in Genesis TV, Amazon Fire TV, and as always, the very trustworthy and reliable wretched.org. This, of course, is only possible because of our gospel partners. It's through their kindness and generosity and commitment to the gospel that we're able to reach millions of people all over the world every year. And so can I ask you to please pray about partnering with us in our efforts to preach the gospel, equip the saints, and strengthen the local church. You can find out more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner at wretched.org slash donate. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles 
to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Books of the Bible. First Samuel tells the story of God's interaction with Israel through the prophet Samuel. When Israel asked for an earthly king, God gave them Saul, who, like Israel, drifted from God's law. So God commanded Samuel to anoint a new king, David, who was a man after God's heart. God does not look on the outward appearance, but on the heart. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Want to grow in fruit? This is Wretched Radio. Martha, peace, biblical counseling in practice. If you're not familiar with biblical counseling, I state this as lovingly as I can. You're missing the boat. You are missing out in the context of your local church, helping other people and being helped by other people. That we are all instruments in the hands of God, designed, being grown by him, built up by him, experiencing even difficult things from him, that we might minister to others and help one another as fellow, I'd say sojourners, but then we all think of Jim Wallace as fellow strugglers. Because that's what we are. The question is, how do we gain strength and how do we get better and how do we get our emotions under control? How do we behave more like the fruit that is described in Galatians 5? Martha Peace helping us, focusing on gentleness and having a quiet spirit. It doesn't mean you talk in hushed tones. It means that you're under control and you're replacing severe emotions with the correct emotions. Please note, even though we're focusing on gentleness and meekness, we have to note there are times to speak forcefully, but it should never be sharply. There is a difference. Forcefully and sharply is a distinction that we don't make as often as we should, because we will think that any strong speech means sharp speech. No, it doesn't have to be. It can be strong speech. Oh, you whitewashed tombs. That's some pretty tough talk. But it was still delivered by the gentle and meek one. How do we get better at this? I'll ask the questions courtesy of Martha Peace. You give the answer and then we'll see if you need to replace your thought with another. While angry, do you ever reveal secrets, slander, make rash vows, make railing accusations, use reviling language, call names, or take God's name in vain? Titus 3, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, ready for every good deed, to malign no one. Here it is again. To be peaceable, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Stop. I'm ready to rail against that person. Am I maligning someone? I got to stop it. Lord, I don't want to be a maligner. I want to be well-pleasing to you. Please grant me a peaceable, gentle spirit and all consideration for everyone. Give me that strength. Help me to. Th- I'm gonna. Th- I'm gonna trust you, and I'm gonna think rightly in this moment. Question number six: Are you more likely to play angry thoughts over and over in your mind, or 
Do you give the other person a blessing by praying for them? Maybe this verse will help you. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Oh, yeah, I'm actually a bigger sinner. I think I'll just pray for that person instead of being torqued. Are you rightfully defending yourself when unjustly accused? Or are you proud and quarrelsome? For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. Oh, who is that that did that? Ah, I'll have to get back to you on who exemplified that. For what credit is there if when you sin you're harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. This finds favor with God. You can't be any more loved. Your position can't be any more secure than it currently is in Jesus Christ. But it finds favor with him. Just as we can grieve the Holy Spirit, we can make the Holy Spirit, lack of a better word, happy. If you want to, instead of receiving a frown, you receive a smile. This maybe will sound a little more theological and lofty. Rather than a a maleficent look, you get a beneficent look. Don't you want that? That should be on your mind when you respond. Stop it. What am I thinking? Why am I feeling this way? How am I supposed to be thinking? I'm going to apply this verse right now, trusting you, Lord. I'm not going to quarrel with you. I'm going to believe you when you say these things. Is it easy for you to acknowledge your error or do you insist upon your own vindication? Peter says, clothe yourself with humility toward one another, for God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. There it is again. I don't want God opposed to me. I don't, I, I don't want that. And I need to remember that when I respond in a haughty, arrogant, offended kind of way. Will God see me as humble? Will God see me as his suffering servant, not opening up my mouth? When reviled, turning the other cheek, going the extra mile. I want him to be pleased. Don't you? Number nine, will you listen to and consider someone else's reproof of you, even if they are your inferior, like your child? Or do you bully and blame them? You bully and blame them? Stop. Psalm 37, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil doing. How many times does the Bible repeat this theme? Dozens and dozens and dozens. It appears to be a big deal, and it sure does appear to be missing on a whole lot of Internet conversations, doesn't it? Question. Do you deal gently with others in patience and compassion, or are you hard and unforgiving? What does Colossians 3 say? Bearing with one another, forgiving each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as you've been forgiven. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near, Philippians 4. Question, do you enjoy life and love life? Or 
Do you dread each day, fret, and worry? You know. You know the answer to that. Do you get out of bed and go, oh, is it hump day yet? Now, I'm not saying everything about life is yippy-skippy, but this is the day the Lord has made, and it doesn't have to just be Easter Sunday. No matter what the day is, he's made it. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. If not, perhaps this Bible verse from Philippians will help. Be anxious for nothing. Everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and mind through faith in Christ Jesus. So you get up. I don't like what I have to face today. But I'm trusting you, Lord, because you have me here right now. Doesn't mean you can't change circumstances, but you have me here right now. So please, Lord, know that my heart's heavy. I'd like a change. I'd like a break. I need a a vacation, Lord. I'd really dig that. Let those requests be made known to him. And he may or may not give you a day off, but you'll have peace. You'll have it. Because you're trusting in him and you're reorienting your thinking. You're not being feelings-led. You are being faith-led. Are your thoughts calm and rational? Or do you overreact to circumstances? Ephesians 5, walk in love just as Christ, there's our model, also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Do you want to be a fragrant aroma? Act like Jesus. Walk in love. And then this is about the pithiest gospel motivation that you will ever see printed in the Bible. Do this just as Christ loved you and gave himself up for you. There's every motivation that we need to treat each other that way. Twice in Romans chapter 12, um, adjust your thinking about yourself and consider the way that you see others as better than yourself. Do you forbear In other words, do you put up with people or are you easily provoked for small causes? But he, being compassionate, forgave their iniquity, did not destroy them. And often he restrained his anger and did not arouse all his wrath. That's God, Psalm 78. Memorize that verse if this is an issue for you. Why am I always acting like that? Figure it out. Find Bible verses that rewrite, that reinterpret your thinking and then trust it in the moment. And I'm telling you, this works works for everything. Increasingly receiving emails from people expressing how they will have obsessive thoughts, intrusive thoughts. How How do you get over that? You've got to stop in the moment that they start to engage and rerun like a gerbil on a hamster wheel. I guess a gerbil wouldn't be on a hamster wheel. The point is, I never worked at a pet shop. When those thoughts hit, stop. Why am I feeling this way? Am I trusting the Lord? I'm not, Lord. You've given me my faculties. You've given me my senses. You know that my eyes work. So I am going to do this. I am going to trust you as an act of worship and then move on with the rest of the day. It works with gentleness and meekness. It works with OCD. It works with anger. It works with anxiety. It works with fill in the blank. If I asked you right now, what Bible verse kind of captures this entire shebang? Would you say Romans 12? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which is your reasonable act of worship. 
Let your change of thinking, being informed by God's word, be offered to God as an act of worship, and he will be well pleased. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.